Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I am here for a text-driven... No, no, wait, what is today? (laughs) George, what is today? It's free-for-all Friday. Today is Thursday for us. Yeah. Text-driven Thursday? No. (laughs) Free-for-all Friday. That's an excellent start. That's a great start to to a podcast. That just reminds everyone of... The fact that we're professionals here. We, we actually are. <laughs> all right. Free for all Friday. We got a... Um, we'll start with some stuff from the secular sphere. Mm-hmm. It's on everyone's minds Let's because start. it's the only thing that you can hear the uh, the news channels talking about. Let's watch uh, <clears throat> the City of Man. We'll start with the City of Man. We'll move over to the City of God. For the second half, where we're going to talk about um, some Calvinism stuff and people's uh, straw mans of it. But we're going to start with the ridiculous government collapse of all society that's mm. been fast and rapid, mm-hmm. like the past five years. Yeah. It really was a Bergefell that kind of accelerated everything. Yeah. And that was six years ago? Seven years ago? Yeah, that's that was well yeah, that was right about it was yeah, before, that was seven it was years before ago. it was before seven I moved years. to Lawton. The summer was seven it'd be seven years Something maybe? like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> the Abergefeld decision to legalize same sex marriage. Yeah. And you know, for we've talked about before, we're well well down the Romans one path. Mm. Like they're Paul explains in Romans 1 what it looks like for humanity to reject God in idolatry, suppress the truth in unrighteousness, and the steps that happen as God gives over a society to itself. Like the, the way God judges actively a society is by stepping back. Right. Like God's, God's presence and his grace, his general grace to mankind comes in various fashions. And one of the ways is restraining mm-hmm. how <clears throat> depraved we become. Right. So if he just removes himself and lets us go our way, man, we quickly go this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not saying like, hey, this is the fulfillment of Romans 1, but Romans 1 gives you like a pattern. And where we're at, we're at the last stage where he gives us over to a debased mind, mm. like a mind, and that means like a mind that doesn't even function. Whereas the passage uh, in Romans 1, Romans 1, okay, the last step, verse 28, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. A debased mind, all right, can't function anymore. It's not doing what it's designed to do, which is to think clearly and logically mm-hmm. and rationally. Yeah. Um. And we man, we are there, dude. Right. We are there. And I think a couple of clips we have today are going to demonstrate that. Yeah. You did a little research um, on this, and I think you even have the bill. Maybe we might be able to show that. It's the little section. But the media has spun this in Florida. Florida has put forward this bill. The media has spun it, and they've labeled it the Don't Say Gay Bill. Yeah. And... But what is really the bill about? This, this is if you've been if you've been listening to the news or, or seeing stuff on social media, you're going to see people freaking out over the quote unquote 
don't say gay bill. Um, the liberals are just losing their minds over this thing. Um, Mark Hamill, he, he, <laughs> he's one of those guys that you really like his acting. Like he's Luke Skywalker. He was the voice of the Joker in uh, Batman, the animated series. Mm. Um, but he's kind of infantile. Yeah, in real life, he in did, real life, he's actually a Joker. Yeah. <laughs> so he tweeted. He tweeted last week. The whole tweet was just gay, 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 gay. Like a whole tweet of just mm -hmm. the word gay because they think that this bill is uh, is like restricting the use of saying the word gay. Like mm -hmm. that's how that's how it's being promoted. Right? right. That's not what the bill is about at all. Um, and, but, and that, those words are not even found in the, in this bill. Um, this bill is about parental rights in public schools. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it's about. Let, let me read some, we don't have to show the, we don't have to show this up on the screen, but let me, let me just read part of the, the intro to this bill. Um, it says that this is an act relating to parental rights in education. It requires district school boards to adopt procedures that comport with certain provisions of law for notifying, notifying a student's parent of specified information requiring such procedures to reinforce the fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their children in a specified manner. All right. So that, if you're a rational person, that sounds, that right. sounds fine, right? Like just because you send your kids to public school doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're not their parent anymore and you're just mm. handing them over to um, the government. So this is it's prohibiting. Um, all right, here's uh, here's a little bit more. It says um, this uh, prohibits school district personnel from. Um, let me find it. Uh, oh, it it's uh, you, they can't they can't encourage a student to withhold from a parent information. So they can't. Um, and this is this is going on. Like there are reports of parent or of teachers telling kids, "Don't tell your parents when you get home what happened in in class." Mm -hmm. um, this bill is is preventing that. Um, it's prohibiting school district personnel from discouraging or prohibiting parental notification and involvement in critical decisions affecting a student's mental, emotional, or physical well being. Right. So there was a news article uh, just a couple of weeks ago about. Um, a, a kid who committed suicide mm -hmm. after their uh, after their school was encouraging them to uh, do transgender stuff, right? And the parents didn't know about this until after their their child had committed suicide, right? So this bill is there's a woman suing in California. Did you see that? Mm -mm. So um, same thing happened. They did. Uh, they had this education type some type of this education and they told the, the kids don't tell your parents about it mm. well the teachers at the school <clears throat> convinced this girl that she was really a man or boy and so she went through this whole process and kept it all from her mom and then eventually her mom found out and she got into this big legal battle with with california and she's actually suing now california because guess what happened when all the COVID stuff went down and the teachers didn't have access to her anymore. She just spiral? She went back to normal. Oh, she went back to normal. Oh, okay. Because she wasn't being indoctrinated. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So she's suing. Okay. And she's going to, I would imagine she's going to win. Well, I don't know, man. So. 
don't uh, know. This, so this is, uh, I mean, this is a common sense thing, right? Like, yeah, Florida's trying to stand up for what is like God-given natural human yeah. rights. Like, so let me, show, let me show what everyone's freaking out about, and then we can go back to talking about parental rights. Okay. Okay, so we can show this up on the screen so that you can say, I put my eyes on this because you've got a clip that you're going to show yeah. that I think shows that the liberals have completely twisted this and I don't even know how many people have actually read it. So I read this whole this whole bill. It's, it's all about parental rights in the school. This, this paragraph right here um, is what everyone's freaking out about. Mm-hmm. And this is why they're calling it the don't say gay bill. Uh, it says classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. All right. So what did that say, Jay? What did that statement say? Well, it, clear, it just it said don't you can't say gay. Yeah, you can't say gay. Yeah, yeah. don't say gay. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts, man. It says that the schools should not be discussing sexual orientation or gender identity with who? Kindergarten through third grade. And the liberals are freaking out. Yeah. They're losing their minds. Because because they're they are indoctrinators. Uh-huh. The LGBTQ movement is an indoctrination movement. Right, it, the the rates, and this will be interesting for people to honestly look at after the fact. Like the rates of homosexuality have skyrocketed. It's because it's a social movement, mm. right? If the original argument that they were making is that people were born this gay, then the percentages would be what they are, and they would never change. They would be uniform across all cultures as well. Yeah, it's not that right. It mm. is. As we believe, I'm going to just say the LGBTQ stuff. We believe that it is a sin because that's what God's word reveals. And sin itself is a social contagion. Like, it spreads through mankind. Yeah. It has risks. Like, you throw a, a pebble in a pond and the ripples go out and they bounce off of everything in the lake, the little branches that are sticking up and they create more ripples. Um, and that's clearly what's going on. The rates of homosexuality are have skyrocketed. The transgender movement, which was super fringe only seven years ago, that is skyrocketing among youth. And the reason it is is because of indoctrination, mm. right? Yeah. All the time I think about my uh, like my little Evangeline, yeah. even even Brooke to a degree. Brooke was a tomboy, not even close to Evangeline, right? If if we were to just like say, hey. You know, um, if we weren't Christians, the culture would indoctrinate her to make her think she's a boy. Right. Yeah. That's. Um, you know what I mean. Right. That. And, I think that's. I think you're you're hitting at a, a very core, uh, essential thing is that we. All right. So we homeschool. Mm-hmm. Um, we homeschool for a, a specific reason, um, but I think that a lot of people think that since we homeschool that we're like anti-public school. I'm not anti-public school. Uh, if you want to send your kid to a public school, that's fine. I, I think that I think that there is a huge danger in letting the government 
indoctrinate our, our kids. And I think that if you are a Christian parent, you need to have eyes wide open and know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, if you just send your kid off to, I mean, it's government school. Right. The, don't, don't, <laughs> don't think that it's, you know, it's public school and, and the government isn't pushing this stuff. The government mm-hmm. is pushing this stuff. Parents have to be intimately engaged with what their kids are doing at school. Mm-hmm. They have to know what is being taught. They have to talk to their kids. They they have to be they have to be discipling them. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, like you said, um, even a Christian parent, if they send their quote unquote tomboy girl to uh, to government school. Who knows? Right. Who knows what's going to happen? Like you've yeah. got, you have to, you have to be discipling your kids and saying, "Look, you, you're going to hear this stuff at school. Here's what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. You've got, you've got to be discipling your kids. If you're just sending them, I, I would go so far to say, if the, if you're a Christian parent and you're sending your kids off to public school and you're not involved in their lives, you're sinning. Mm-hmm. I think you're sinning. I think you're violating Deuteronomy chapter six, where you're yeah. supposed to be teaching your children you're supposed to be talking to your children about the things of god you cannot claim to be a christian and and take your kids to, to church you know one one time a week and then send them to the government to be indoctrinated for five days a week right and expect that god's gonna <laughs> going to bless that um you have to you have to be teaching your children what the scriptures say and what's right and then, if you still choose to send them to public school, you need to you need to be equipping them, and mm-hmm. you you've got to be guarding them. Right, you, you have to be because this this kind of stuff is going on. There was a there was a video of uh, just this last week of a school down. I think it was in Austin, Texas, which right. that would be that would be where you would expect it in Texas. It's like California in Texas of little kids, <laughs> like elementary school kids. They they were marching around inside the school building. In a in a mock gay pride parade, mm-hmm. holding holding the rainbow flag, and like this is happening. Yeah, don't don't fool yourself into thinking, oh, this will never happen. This is happening. Yeah, it absolutely is. And if you if you aren't um, guarding your kids, if you're not discipling your kids, the world definitely is. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the same thing though does apply even if you homeschool your kids. Oh yeah, because there's a difference in just being a homeschool educator and uh-huh. being someone who disciples your right. kids. Because yeah. the world will even get them at oh, home. Oh yeah, the yeah. world can get them at home. Yeah, they can get them through other homeschool kids. Mm-hmm. They can get them through media. Yeah, they're bombarded with everything. If your kid has a phone, they're being bombarded by the world. Yeah, no matter where they're yeah, at. You're right. And if you do, if you do send your kids to school to public school like we do. Um, you need to be aware of like where you're at. Like, where do I live? Well, we're relatively free from indoctrination of that type of stuff. We live in very conservative part of the country. Majority of the teachers that I know personally go to church somewhere. Even the I think that's I think even that's, the school board the school board members I know them yeah. I know the mayor like I yeah, know what I think they that, do. I think what you're saying is is good. Um, now I would push back a little bit against this. We live in conservative Southwest Oklahoma, so mm. you know we're not being indoctrinated. I would say mm, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But what you're saying about knowing the teachers, knowing the school board members, right. knowing the mayor that that I think is mm-hmm. important. I think yeah. that I think that's more important than we live in conservative Oklahoma. I think it's important to know the people because. Um, 
you've got conservative Oklahoma, right? Right. But if you're getting teachers and school board members and mayors that have been um, educated at OU, mm-hmm. OU is super liberal, right? Like it's real, uh, like it's really bad at mm-hmm. OU right. in in the heart of uh-huh. conservative Oklahoma. You've got this liberal school. So if you got teachers that are being educated there and coming to Lawton or Cash, well. It it doesn't take very long for those that conservative right. to yeah. flip right yeah it doesn't ta- it doesn't take long so yeah but knowing them there should that's that again you're you've got to be involved you you have to be involved you got to know what's going on if all of the people who would openly say that they're Christians like would be more and send their kids to public schools because there are a lot of them if they would be more involved in the um, the process, um, there would be a lot less of the the turn, right? Mm-hmm. It would be harder for liberals to grab, yeah, grab a school, right, right, or to grab a school district. Mm-hmm. If all of the Christians in that community that are sending their kids to school anyway for whatever reasons would just be more involved, then there is uh, the ability to prevent a lot of this stuff. But I think what you're going to see happen is even if you have pushback against this type of uh, stuff and, and indoctrination, because really where it's coming from is, uh, like, w- our war is not against flesh and blood. Like, we're not, ag- like, this is not what's behind all of this ultimately. This is a, spir- a spiritual battle component mm-hmm. going on. So even if you have, like, the mayor or the, or the governor of a state and uh, in a conservative state, and they're trying to put forward a bill that would protect kids, I would say from sexual predators— yeah. Right, because that's what I would call a public educator who's talking to an elementary school kid about <laughs> sex. I like you're so, a sexual predator, man. Yeah. You like you you may not be physically trying to uh, to harm a child, but you are mentally harming a child. Yeah, kids kids aren't thinking about that until Bill Maher, unless an adult forces it on them. Right, Bill Maher. He's you know he's a Democrat. But he's, uh, and he's, he's very, and he's, he's, very he's very liberal. But he doesn't seem to be going down the road of insanity like a lot of these people. He he said on his show. Well, that's because he's a classical liberal, right? He's not a progressive. Yeah. So he said, um, I guess it was like a Q and A during his show. He, someone gave him this question. He said, "I'm glad somebody asked this. Is Florida's don't say gay bill designed to trap Democrats into saying they support teaching young children about sexuality?" Yeah, like is is this designed to trap the? And it's doing it. If if that was the design, it's flawless. It's it's perfect because all of these uh, all these liberals are coming out and they are um, they're just saying the most ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. He he went on to say that um, maybe kids that young shouldn't be thinking about sex at all. Of course they shouldn't. But you're seeing this. I mean, you can you can go on to uh, you can see these like TikTok videos of school teachers coming out as transgender to their mm-hmm. their kids to their elementary school kids. I think what you're saying is actually uh, is absolutely right. Like these are sexual deviants. Mm-hmm. Why I didn't have any teachers that talked to me about their sexual behavior at all when I was growing up, mm-hmm. nor would I want to know. Yeah. Like why are they why are they so why are they so bent and determined to tell their kids about because, this stuff because, because they, they have, want to indoctrinate because them. Because it's indoctrination. They have to recruit. Mm. Because if you just leave kids alone, 
right? Yeah. The population that will, and I read gazillions of pages on this about 10 years ago about homosexuality. Is it, uh, are people born gay? Is there a gay gene? Is there something in the brain that's different? Like I read tons and tons of this stuff. And before it got uh, widespread, and it, it, it's, a, it's a social movement. Yeah. It, it is literally a social contagion. Uh, and this, this is just, I mean, it's just a fact that it is, if you look at the percentages. If they would just leave everybody alone, right, the percentage, there would still be homosexual people in the world. Mm-hmm. And, I'm a, it, and as Christians, our role is to care about everyone and mm-hmm. love them. Uh, and love them just the way we would love anyone. They're our neighbors, and they're made in God's image, yeah. and we care about them. But the percentage would be incredibly low, mm-hmm. um, like it was before. Yeah. Kids are now being brainwashed into it. How many? Uh, how many kids would you say you were around that identified as gay when you were in high school? When I was in high school, there were... There was one, and it, he was he was openly gay, and nobody ever bullied him or did anything. Where'd you go to high school? In Leavenworth, Kansas. How big is that? There were in my graduating class around eight hundred people. Okay. There were there was one. There might have mm. been some in the in the younger classes, but you know those aren't in my circles. Mm. So same with me. Uh, when I went when I was in high school in Tulsa, uh-huh. not exactly the conservative you know, center of Oklahoma, I knew one mm-hmm. in high school. Well, I'm telling you now, based off what, because, uh, you know, my kids, we talk about everything. Mm. It's like every other girl is either gay or bi. Yeah. And it's not because they are, because they're really not. Um, they've been conditioned into thinking that's what's cool. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so this is the uh, this is the don't say gay bill, mm-hmm. which even the name that's been given by the left is just completely distort- distorting what it's saying. But you got a clip, and I think that uh, Desantis. Hang on a second. Let I think me pull Desantis it up. does a good job um, at pointing this. Oh out. wait, you want the Desantis? I got it. Yeah, yeah. I got it here. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Um, so this is what. Rights and education. What critics call the "Don't Say Gay" bill is on the Senate floor. Does it say that in the bill? You know that you Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking. I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because I'm you are pushing know. false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. It says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. I for who? For for, for, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and. Um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a no-brainer. Right. Like I said, I'll say it again. I don't care if they ban us off of YouTube for this video or not. If you are talking to little kids about that stuff in mm-hmm. school, you're, you, are a, you are a pervert. You're yeah. a, you are a child abuser. Yeah. You're abuse, you may not physically be abusing these kids, but you are mentally abusing them. I agree. It's uh, this, and the only reason anyone would ever think that this is okay is if they have been given over to a debased mind that God has given them over in their sin to a debased mind, and their brain isn't even working 
Right. At normal capacity. Yeah. It's yeah. judgment. It's a judgment of God. Mm. Well, that's uh, that's at the lowest levels, um, kindergarten through third grade. Yeah. Don't uh, don't be instructing them on sexual orientation or gender identity, but uh, it doesn't stop there, right? No, it, it does go- not, my friend. <laughs> this this uh, this early, they're they're catching them early, so that they can they can brainwash them so that. We can get uh, a situation like we've got going on in uh, in Congress right now. What is happening? They're making us watch a commercial here. Here. So we've got this situation in Congress. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Uh, What is what is her name? Um, The new the new justice, uh, Kentanji Brown Jackson. They knew there were three names. Um, KBJ is what they're KBJ? they're calling her. Well, they're right. they're acting like she's the first black Supreme Court, uh, <laughs> going to be the first black Supreme Court justice, and it's like the world needs to remember we've had um, a black man on the Supreme Court for a long time. He's like the longest sitting now, I think. Right? Isn't he Anglo on the inside? Yeah, though? they say. Jay, isn't that what? They can would you say? imagine having to to live like that? Like people saying that those kind of insanely right. Did you see so so he uh so so Clarence Thomas he he was is he out of the hospital is he still in the hospital he he was admitted to the hospital with uh with flu like symptoms I guess and uh it didn't take very long for the left to uh to hope he dies hope he dies yeah because they're because they're the moral high ground that's right he's the trailblazer Uh she's not they're trying to present her as some trailblazer there have already been women on the Supreme Court they were the trailblazers she's not. I don't understand. Again, it's just the spinning of this mm-hmm. stuff. But this woman's mind is so debased, she can't even tell you what a woman is. You want to see the clip? Let's do it. <laughs> definition for the word woman. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> you can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word "woman" is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition, Senator. In my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not the fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. All right, there we go. I I like what she said at the end. This is the dangers of the progressive education that we've been hearing about. Yeah. This is is what happens when you start talking about gender identity and sexual orientation to kindergartners and first, second, third graders. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. You get to a point where you've got a woman who is being nominated for Supreme Court and she can't give a definition of what a woman is. Yeah, and I'm sure she went to some liberal law. I mean, all law schools now are pretty much liberal. Is there any conservative conservative ones left? Um, there might be, but I don't to, know them. They're going to brainwash you in the progressive ideology. Yeah. Um, she... She says she can't because she's not a biologist. Mm-hmm. So she she gave it away, <laughs> like like a 
you just undermined everything that 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 they've all been saying. Uh-huh. You have one definition that has been given by biologists forever, but then you have the psychologists over here who mm-hmm. are now re- rewriting everything. Right. Um, which is the same thing they did with homosexuality, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. People forget this, and the reason they changed all their you know, their uh, definitions of what homosexuality was and what transgenderism was, was not because psychology had progressed. It was because they were political pressure was applied. Yeah. So here she is. She says she can't because she's just a judge. But we have things like Title IX, which should be more of a hot topic than it is because, like, in NCAA, you have— these Title IX laws that protect women. This is what I told you the other day. This is the day when she said this, this is feminism committing suicide on national TV. Metaphorically speaking, she just unalived the feminism movement. Mm-hmm. Right? Title IX protects women's um, women in sports. So, like, prime example, you have 12 scholarships on a NCAA baseball team. How many do you think the softball team gets, George, because of Title IX? Uh, I don't know. Twelve. See? It protects fairness. Yeah. Right? And I would argue, you know, someone who has a a young man who wants to play sports and a young girl who wants to play sports, that that's a good idea. Yeah. So when Brooke gets there, they're like, you know what? We only give scholarship to boys' sports. Mm -hmm. Right. No one cares about girls' sports, um, so you guys don't get scholarships. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Right. But that only exists if there is such a thing as a man and a woman. <laughs> it's... And, that, and, and she'll have to rule on cases that mm-hmm. are being argued about what a man and a woman is. She can't. You know she can. This gets to Cal, the Calvinism deal about can and won't. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught Natural her. ability and moral ability. Yeah. She has the natural ability to answer the question. She knows the an- she knows the answer. We we she, uh, she after, won't she just won't do it. After after this uh this video came out, um Julia and I talked to our nine year old and we said, What's the definition of a woman? Mm-hmm. Can you define a woman? And she was embarrassed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but she knew Right, like, why was she embarrassed? Because she knew what what the answer was. Right, like there are different <laughs> physical body parts for a man and a woman. Right. They they are easily identifiable. Right, right. You don't have to you don't have to you don't have to jump through hoops to define what a woman is. Yeah, you don't have to be a biologist. Uh-huh. Um, all you have to do is have eyeballs. Right, <laughs> it's it's so it's so clear. Right, you can do it in the they. And what's so bizarre is that in the animal world, they would be able to easily identify male and female. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the the issue is not biology. The issue is something else. Mm-hmm. We've been over, given over to a debased mind. Mm-hmm. It's like watching um, uh, uh, Will Thomas right. swimming with women uh-huh. and then just destroying them. Yeah. And being praised for being the fastest, the fastest female swimmer in Penn State history. Right. It's like, this is, it, it, it's insane. <laughs> like we're being forced to, we're being forced to take crazy pills every single day. Yeah. And um, they're uh, they're just gaslighting us the entire time. Oh, what your eyes are are uh, telling is, you is, is not. 
<laughs> it's not real. Wars you're Peace not Force. actually you're not actually watching a dude um, yeah. compete as a woman and then win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I think it was my wife. She was asking if uh, this guy wanted to compete in the Olympics. Would they let him? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what the Olympic committee is. Yeah, <laughs> is going to do about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But it's just insane. He threw the rest of the races. By the way, mm-hmm. did you know that? Mm-hmm. Everyone in the world knows it. Yeah. He, the rest of them, he just threw them. Yeah. So that he could, they could uh, try to make some fairness argument. Say, look, oh, look, he lost. Right. Uh, he was like doing the doggy paddle <laughs> like you, you tossed them man so oh man yeah we just this so this this uh this lady wants to be a judge yeah highest court in the land she's a political activist that's what she is did you see the clip of her uh talking about how you can you can just uh spend 15 minutes looking at child pornography and get 30 40 50 years in prison and she Uh was arguing like that's not okay right yeah and uh i'm just sitting here thinking given the death penalty that's exactly right (laughs) like she wants to she wants to lessen the (laughs) the consequences i'm saying don't throw them in the prison for 30 40 50 years Mm -hmm. what do they call it where a horse rips a man in half (laughs) <laughs> that's what i'm for public on tv uh-huh it's gonna stop real quick yeah you want to stop uh children being preyed upon uh tear a man in half on national tv by two horses well that probably would do it maybe i don't know i don't know if that i don't know if that would do it nowadays or not well we've been getting over to a depraved mind so. right yeah okay so that's the political stuff that we wanted to talk about, but you had something else you wanted to talk about. And it goes along with uh it goes along with depravity. Yeah, yeah. And a, a depraved mind. So, you know, the podcast that that it's primarily for the, the our church members and and if you're not a church member and then you're listening, we're glad that you are. Um and we'd love for you to pass it along if it's beneficial. But you know, sometimes they have que- our church members will have questions, things come up in their life, and so I think maybe we ought to just address it some, you know, when, when stuff like that happens. So we have a church member, former pastor is um I don't know what is the correct term. Sounds like he's a rabid anti Calvinist. I think that's the best way I could describe kind of the stuff I've seen. Mm-hmm. It's intentional straw manning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but I have something for you, George. Uh, Larry, you don't have to flip over to it. Okay, just... This song is called Calvinism Sucks. This is for you, Here George. Goes. Okay. Calvinism sucks. Calvinism sucks. Calvinism sucks. Calvinism sucks. It saves no one. Calvinism sucks. It sucks. Calvinism sucks. There you go. Where? I think I'm going to save Where that sound. I got to save that sound for whenever we talk about this issue from here on out. That can be our intro. I, to, I know. I know. So James, so James White, he has his well, uh, mighty fortress intro. We're going right. to have that. 
I know, you know, you in high school you used to rock out to some of this metal, like uh, that, from what I hear. Yeah. So I found this. Uh, Where did you find that? It's just it's readily available. On Is that you just <laughs> on the interwebs? Yeah. <laughs> Calvinism sucks. Okay. We'll call that the. This is the next uh, element of this podcast. Okay, show. we've got an intro to our. <laughs> so, um, this former pastor likes to post these anti-Calvinism stuff. So I think we just deal with this latest one. There's a there's a little meme, uh, of course, because everything's in a meme nowadays. Let's discuss this. This is what it says. It was tweeted out or was posted out with these words: "All sinners can be saved. Praise the Lord." Here's what the meme says. There's a actually a sheep on it, which makes it undermine itself. But here's what it says: "Limited atonement is not good news. If it's not good news, it's not the gospel." With these verses, First <clears throat> John two two, and John three sixteen. So it says, Jesus is um, Jesus in amazing grace and love, unimaginable, died for all people. First John two two. Therefore, all people can be saved. John three sixteen. So Calvinism sucks, George. <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump into these <clears throat> verses because I think that's what we need to talk about. The argument always needs to come back to the Bible. Yeah. And um, so we just you want to do John two two first, and then jump over to. John three sixteen, or you want to go John three sixteen, and then go to John two two. Well, first John two two. That that really is the uh, that's like the gotcha verse. Okay. For um, uh, I can't even really call them Arminians because they're not Arminians, right? Just non-Calvinist. The traditionalists is what the is uh-huh. what they're called in the uh, the right. SBC world. Mm-hmm. The traditional soteriology. Right. Yeah. So first John two two. That's that's their go-to gotcha verse. Uh-huh. They throw it out there like, oh, have you ever considered this? Right. Jay, in all of your years of being a Calvinist, have you ever considered 1 John 2-2? Two, two, or Man, are you you just, is that, have you just no, I, surprised? No, I became a Calvinist only because I actually just read, I only read John Calvin, uh-huh. and I didn't ever read the Bible. Right. And so actually, if you use any part of the Bible, I'll just fold. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, I didn't. I I never they even. U- they use John three sixteen like it's this w- to ward off evil spirits. I like never. If e- I just if I just say John three sixteen, I don't even have to say the verse. If I just say John three sixteen, your whole your whole position is undermined. Yeah, that's right. I, no, I ha- I didn't. I was not convinced of this. Like I didn't read John Calvin and become a Calvinist. Right. In fact, I, when when I was one, I don't even know if I ever even knew who he was. Yeah, Actually. I don't. Uh, I, I don't think I did. So, uh, Calvinism, I, it's just, it's the the word means when we use it a soteriology or a salvation theology, a particular yeah. salvation theology, because mm-hmm. we are not Presbyterians and we we don't baptize babies. We disagree with him on all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, so let's let's jump into this. Okay, First John two two, um, which says. Uh, you don't have to go there, Larry. We're going to be going back and forth all over. I'll just read it to these. I'll, I'll just start in verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we we have to... First, you, first thing you have to ask 
in this whole argument is what does the word propitiation mean? I think that's a great place to start. If the word propitiation means atonement or that the satisfaction toward God for sins has been accomplished, Mm -hmm. which is the biblical word propitiation, right? That's what it means, to have your sins expiated away from you and have the penalty paid for traditionally in the sacrificial lamb, but in this case in Christ. If atonement has been made, here are your options with this passage. You must immediately become a universalist, right? Because he died for the sins of the whole world, meaning every single person that ever lived. Hell, there's not a thing as hell. I don't even know why Jesus talks about it or anyone else. Um, Or there's another option. John doesn't mean by world what you think he means. He's using world in a in a way that we aren't using it in English. Um, I would actually say that he's using it in the way that we would use it in English. Okay, Um, because if you are watching the Olympics, right, uh, people would say something like, "The whole world is watching." I see. Yes. By that, no one ever. No, no one. The, ever I don't thinks. think ever ever in the history of the world <laughs> has used it in the context of every single person who has ever lived is watching this right now. So you're there, saying there is no way that anybody, when they say the whole world, means every single person who's ever lived. So the world, I don't. I don't know if I've. I mean, unless we're talking about like judgment passages, uh-huh. I don't think that we. I don't think we ever use whole whole world in the sense of every single well, person. Yeah. When I said the way we are using English, what I mean is the way it's used. Yes. When this argument's made. Yes. But you're saying there's a context involved yes. in every word and every sentence. Uh-huh. So you're you're right. So in English, um, here are the ways that the world <clears throat> world is used: the Earth, the globe. Um, a particular division of the of the earth, the Western world. Um, the earth or part of it um, in a particular period of time, the ancient world. Mm-hmm. It can stand for humankind in general. Um, like th- these all come from the dictionary I pulled up. the The world must eliminate war and poverty. Like we all collectively must be involved. Um, the general public, the whole world knows this is true. Um, so we even see there's uh, there's nuance in the way we use the word world. So mm-hmm. how John is the author of First John, and he's the author of John three sixteen. So when we go to John three sixteen, right? Um, that's the passage, right? That's like that's the other that's the other big one. It's like. They have got that one ready. It's like a sword. They they whip they whip the sword out of John three sixteen, and they think it's game over, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. How does John use the world world? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And there is a lot. What is the correct term? Well, he's only there's a he's, broad spectrum, he's only right? allowed he's only allowed to use it in one sense ever. Yeah. So one <laughs> thing when when I was studying uh, my Greek 
professor, he used to say, trunk of a tree, trunk of a car, trunk of an elephant. And I could never forget. It's always in the, my head, always, to remember that words only have meaning. In context. In context. Mm-hmm. Trunk of a tree, trunk of a car, trunk of an elephant. Yeah. And that comes down, that's, that's the word world in, right. in John. So there are... It's, it's easy to prove that, too. Yeah. Um, because you've got, he is the propitiation, not for our sins alone, but for the sins of the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, John three sixteen, God so loved the world. Uh, but then in John 17, Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of 1 John, the apostle tells us, don't love the world. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. So either there's a lot of confusion and contradiction within John, or he's using this word world in different contexts in different places. Those, those really are our only two options. God is God loves the world, but we're being instructed not to love the world. Yeah. So, you know, since I was being facetious before, yeah. I didn't actually learn this doctrine from not ever reading the Bible. I did a little study on it one time. That may shock you. John uses this word nine different ways in the Gospel of John. Did you, did you know I preached through the Gospel of John? <laughs> I heard, I heard a rumor. Okay, I spent like five years, <laughs> five five years studying that, studying that glorious book. Uh-huh. I was sad when it was over. But uh, as yeah, as soon as you as soon as you finish, you just start it over. Start again, over. Okay? None of none of you remember. There's like uh, forty five new humans. I mean, that you were on you were on that have been born since chapter, we started. You were on what chapter eight, or were you on nine when we? merged and you you picked it back up my memory doesn't go that I mean, far back are, i don't even know yeah so <laughs> <laughs> so i'll rattle them off we could go through all of them but i don't know if we can want to go through each single verse but here's the ways okay it stands for the entire universe jesus says glorify me in your presence with the glory that i had with you before the world existed that's the entire universe yeah the physical earth john 13 1 the world system with satan as its head now is the judgment of this world. Mm. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Mm-hmm. That's the world system. Humanity minus believers in Christ. That's the one you picked up on. I'm not praying for the world. The world, uh-huh. um, So there's believers, the believing community. Right. Um, hate to use it because it might trigger some folks. There's the elect. Uh-oh. The sheep. Jesus right. calls them his sheep. So let's stick with Jesus' language. The saints. M- my sheep hear my voice. Uh-huh, yeah. And then there's the world, so humanity minus believers in Christ. There's a large group of people, <clears throat> so that's kind of how we use it a lot. So this is in John twelve eighteen through nineteen. The reason why the crowd went out to meet him was that they heard uh, heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one other, one another, "You see that we are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Mm-hmm. Did the whole world show they up? Mean, they mean every single person who's ever lived, Jay." It got real crowded there. Including themselves. Got real crowded. Yeah, yeah. They, including themselves. Yeah, the whole world's gone after him. Uh, the general public, no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Meaning? Every the, single person who's ever lived. Right. <laughs> meaning the public. Right. Um, the non-elect. I'm not praying for them. I'm not praying for those of the world. Yeah. Large groups of Jews and Gentiles, the elect, 
Got the so so Jews and Gentiles. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So if we stick with that, we're back to this. What we were getting at earlier. This John the John the Baptist makes a statement. I think he knows Old Testament theology pretty good, and he probably understands what happens when the priest makes a sacrifice. Yeah. John is saying, "Here is the Lamb of God." who will take God's people from all these tribes, tongues, different languages, and nations. That's what he means by, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because the Lamb of God before this was in the temple only, and only took away the sins of Israel, the people of Israel. Well, yeah, I wanted to to go back to 1 John 2, 2 in a minute, and, yeah. and look at that a little bit more in depth, because right. I, we certainly haven't exhausted what's going on there. Right. And I, I think 1 John 2, 2 actually is a good case for limited atonement. Well, yeah, of course. Just like the statement of, of of John the Baptist, he's not just the savior for the Jews. That's mm-hmm. what he's getting at. Right. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, meaning mm-hmm. all peoples. Yeah. All people groups. Right. Um, the human realm and humanity in general, and I think this is the way this is being used in John three sixteen. Mm. It stands for the human realm and humanity in general. Yeah. God loved the broken fallen realm of humanity. Yeah. That and that is what you should stand in awe of. Mm-hmm. That he would have pity and compassion and show mercy to humanity. Yeah. That he would give his only son. He has a he has a loving disposition towards the world. Yes. Only those who believe in him will not perish. Yeah. So the atonement is limited in that capacity. So it comes down to who you think does the limiting, right? Because your options are, are are universalism, or your options are limited atonement. Mm-hmm. The question comes down to who do you think does the limiting in this, right? Yeah. So there's the nine different ways that John uses the word world, <laughs> right? Um, so if you think the word world means every <clears throat> single person that's ever lived, you're backed yourself into a corner where you are now a universalist. Um, or it means something different, and, and you just can't understand all the the various ways that's being used in John. Mm-hmm. Like, what what do you mean Jesus is not praying for the world? Right? Didn't he come into the world to save it? Right? Like, you're, now you you have no idea what's going on here. How are Christians not supposed to love the world? Yeah. So one thing that says this meme says that I think well we can go to to. Back to First John, if you want to, I'll say this last thing, and I'll turn it over to you. Um, it's not good news. If it's not good news, it's not the gospel. So my my question would be: How is it a gospel if Jesus really didn't do anything on the cross, right? Because this this is the other the other viewpoint is mm-hmm. Jesus died for the sins of the world, but he didn't die for anyone in particular, right? Like it wasn't particular atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he says he lays his life down for the sheep. Yeah. Um, he knows them by name, George. He calls them. There's a lot of problems with that view, but that's the view. He died for everyone in the world, but no one in particular. Um, how's that good news that Jesus didn't die for me in particular? Where you could tell someone, like what, what we would tell our people, that if you believe on Christ... He'll forgive you of your sins. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus says. Anyone yeah. who comes to him will be forgiven. Right. And then 
because they're believing, you could look at them in the eye and say, Jesus died for you right. by name. Mm-hmm. He'll never throw you away. Right. Doesn't matter if you fail some idea of, like in your mind, what you believe would be satisfactory to God for how a Christian should live. If you fail to meet that standard, he's not going to throw you away. That's your standard in your mind. Yeah. Uh, and it's good news. It's good news for the world. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean every person who lives in the world. It's good news for the world because there is a savior who has been crucified for sinners. This is not, this is not mystery religion. Mm -hmm. It's not, well, you've got to, you got to jump through these hoops and then we'll, we'll get to the real, the real, you know, juicy stuff. Christ has been lifted up. The gospel is being proclaimed throughout the world. And he is, He's a savior who saves anyone who comes to him. Yeah. Like he's he's not the one who's actively putting his hand on on you saying you can't come. You're the one who is looking at Christ and saying, No, I I I don't want to come. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The only thing that's holding you back from Christ is not natural ability. So there's that also distinction that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. They say, you're calling people to do something that they can't do. Well, no. They have the natural ability to come to Christ, right? They have a mind. They have a heart. They have a will. The problem is is that they have no moral ability, and that is their problem and theirs alone. They don't have the want to. Their will is corrupted by their own sin, so they won't, and that's the difference. They won't. They never will. They're morally incapable, mm-hmm. and that's not God's doing. That's their own doing. Right. Um, and the good news to is that is indiscriminately preached to anyone is that Jesus actually did accomplish something. He himself said it, that it is finished. Well, what is he talking about if he didn't actually make an atonement? If he didn't make an—if it's a theoretical atonement, right, then theoretically we could preach the gospel indiscriminately, and every single person could reject it, and go to hell, and Christ died for no one. <laughs> right. How's that good news? Yeah. That's not good news. Mm-hmm. Christ actually made atonement for sin. That's good news. Yeah. So you tell the sinner, you're a sinner, Christ died for sinners. Yep. We can do like Paul does, Christ died for sinners of who I am the foremost. If you're a sinner, Christ died for you. That's good news. Yeah. So repent and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But until they have that want to, they won't. Right. Right. All right, let's look at First John 2, 2 a little bit more, just because this is a gotcha verse All right. that uh, that people will throw out there. Oh, it says the whole world. Mm-hmm. We've already touched on it a little bit, but I want to I dive just a little bit deeper just to help people in, in case they haven't really thought through First John 2, 2. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they are holding on to, to Reformed theology, and they, they believe limited atonement, but they still find First John 2, 2 to be a trouble verse. They still don't know how to answer a meme like this um, right. when it comes to First John two two. Okay, um, so let's let's talk about it just a little bit more. Maybe mm-hmm. give some tools to to help people understand what do we do with a, a passage like First John two two. Okay, all right. So he says he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right. All right so you you already touched on it. Propitiation. We cannot just jump over that 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 word. Right. Like that word has a specific meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, that word um, is, I'm, I'm going to get a little technical, um, 
but uh, it's it's important. the The Greek word is helosmos, mm-hmm. propitiation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's used in Romans chapter three, uh, but it's also used in Hebrews, where it's translated as what? Jay, do you remember what propitiation? What helosmos is also is it translated atonement? as atonement? Nope, mercy seat. Oh, mercy seat. That's right. Um, I can't remember what translation actually translates it as mercy seat in <clears throat> Romans three. There is one because I remember uh, learning about that, and it's that he brought the mercy seat out into the public, mm. like out of from where it used to be in mm. Christ, and made him a public display. Yeah, he's he is the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. So that takes us back to the Old Testament, right? right? It takes us back to Leviticus. It takes us back to the Day of Atonement, where the high priest he goes into the Holy of Holies, he sprinkles blood on the mercy seat. So it's it's tying that that imagery to what Christ did. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the high priest. He is the mercy seat. He's also the sacrifice. It all it all mm-hmm. coalesce, and it's in the person and work of Christ. So we have to ask what. And you 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 kind of hit on it a little bit. What did the high priest do on the day of atonement? Yeah, he made satisfaction for the people's sins for the whole world for everybody. For, he he for goes he goes in, and the Philistines and yeah. the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Egyptians they all they all have their sins atoned on that day. Yeah. It, <laughs> right. Yeah. There's it's limited. Right. It's limited to the people. And um, and it, I would say limited to the believing remnant. It was it yeah, it was and even in the even in the text there is evidence that what he's doing is not for every single Israelite because the Israelites are supposed to assemble themselves on that day. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to um, afflict themselves, quote-unquote, afflict, afflict themselves. They're supposed to fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually says in the text, anyone who doesn't do this is to be cut off from the people. So there are, there are Israelites who don't do, they don't assemble and they don't, they don't fast. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they're not mindful of what's going on on the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. So the Day of Atonement sacrifice, when the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies and offers a sacrifice one time a year, um, it's not something that passively happens to someone who decides they're just going to hang out in their house mm-hmm. and not even think about this day. Mm-hmm. It's for those that actually are mindful of the sacrifice. That's what the atone, it atones for their sins. Mm-hmm. Um, again, limited, right? Um, and we see this, we see this all throughout the Old Testament as they're picking up on this atonement language that it's it's for a particular people. Um, but I think what really sealed the deal for me in regards to first John 2 2 is not just the word propitiation, though that word it has to it has to limit it because in its very specific definition, it means that God has been satisfied. Mm-hmm. So Christ, in his his death, he actually satisfied God's wrath. Mm-hmm. So like you said, if he actually satisfied God's wrath for everyone, there is no hell. Mm-hmm. Hell's already been taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really... Which is it, what some people believe. Yeah, yeah, there is. There, there is are, this idea that, that it's universal. Yeah. Right, but if we're going to be biblical, but they jettison a bunch of other oh yeah, you got to get rid of you got to get rid of a lot more than we should be comfortable with. Um, but what what I really found compelling was when you compare John with John. Mm-hmm. So John is writing First John two two mm-hmm. years after um, he you know walked with Jesus. Yep, 
But he wrote something that was very similar in John chapter 11, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So if we go to John chapter 11, uh, verses 51 and 52, um, this is after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and the high priest and the religious leaders, they all come together and they're trying to decide what are we going to do with Jesus? that, That phrase, you know, the whole world's going after him. Yeah. If we let this go, the Romans are going to come and they're going to take our place away from us. Ironic, since that's what happened <laughs> because they killed Jesus. Right. But then uh, Caiaphas, who was a high priest, he stands up. He says, you know nothing at all. It's very encouraging, very up- uplifting <laughs> guy. Uh, Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should perish or should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Mm-hmm. All right, so he's saying it's better if we kill Jesus, one person dies, rather than the Romans come and destroy kill all of all. us. Right? But John gives his inspired interpretation of what mm-hmm. Caiaphas says, right? Verse 51. He says, he did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied. And that's so, I mean, that's so interesting. I know. Like, here's this unbeliever, but God is still yeah. using him because he's the high priest. He's still speaking through him. Uh-huh. And he doesn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even know he's doing this. He prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Mm-hmm. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Mm-hmm. Does that wording sound similar? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish we could parallel and just put it up on the screen so mm-hmm. you can see the language. The language there is he won't die for our sins alone, but for the sins of the whole world. Mm-hmm. He won't die for the nation alone, but also for yes. all the children of God who are scattered abroad. So right. in so when we're comparing them, I, I would assume that John is knowing what he's, he knows his own mind, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I would say that when he says the whole world, he's saying he didn't die just for the Jews, but he died for the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. He, died for, he died for the nations. Yeah, Jesus says it himself in his metaphor of him being the shepherd. Yeah, that he does. Yeah, yeah, he says, um, "I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me." Well, I mean, if we just listen to Jesus, this solves a lot of the debates about everything. Yeah, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Mm. That is mind-boggling. I remember when I preached this. I called it cosmic love. I think the sermon. Um, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus limits in this metaphor between other sheep that aren't his, they don't hear his voice, they don't know him, they belong to a different shepherd that's yeah. out, you know? And then there's his sheep that he gathers to himself. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Yeah. And when you look at everything that Jesus is saying in John, and what John says about what Jesus says, and what he says in 1 John, mm-hmm. what's obvious that Jesus is saying is he's gathering out his sheep from Israel, Yeah. but he's got other sheep that aren't of this fold, he's got to call them out of the world, and there will be one flock. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. this is huge for New Testament theology. <laughs> right. Yeah. One more consideration All right. from First John 2, 2. Because this, I mean, if you ever, 
limited atonement was the last one for you wasn't it mm-hmm. it's the last one for me it, it took it took a while for me to become a five-point calvinist i was it's, a four point because the because limited atonement it seems like it's so contrary to how we've been taught all our lives it 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 seems like first john 2 2 is against that john three well, sixteen is against that but so one one, once thi- it becomes clear um, I, I think that you're left with no choice but to say, yeah. yes, Jesus died for a particular people. Two things that can help you, I think, is, well, so you drop the word limited and go with particular. Yeah, because or li- definite. Yeah, or de- particular or definite, because limited seems to be limiting God's power or mm-hmm. his grace or his mercy in some way. Right. And it's not, I don't, that's not what's going on. Then, then the other is you can get into the whole lapsarian arguments and discussions, <laughs> right? And that's just pure kind of an intellectual exercise. You can't but, just drop the L word on yeah. here, Jay. That's. But I think it is important. And, yeah. and maybe I'll, we should throw a chart up sometime of these. Um, if you begin with this ele- element in your mind that the primary goal uh, uh, that God has in creation is to glorify himself in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right, and so logically, in the way before time ever existed, what was God's goal? Right. If you start with God's goal was to provide Jesus as a sacrifice for sinners, okay, you start there. Then the atonement's ability and power is is perfect. Um unlimited in its capacity to save anyone, okay? Then you move into the fall, and that everyone rejects Christ. Then you move into God's decision to graciously save a people for himself, okay? Then you can, I think, get to the idea that Christ's atonement, because he is God in the flesh, in its scope and ability to save, it's unlimited, um theoretically he could save every single person that's ever lived that's not what happens because of god's plan and his designs uh we're not that he did not he did not decide for that to be the case um but it's not it's not limited in its power um it's only limited in its application I think is the correct way to do it. And the problem people have with that is because we don't think that we're really bad sinners. We think, oh, well, God should just have applied it to everyone. <laughs> because there's something in you, right? There is something in you that is deep down, it's the root of all sin. We'll talk about it this week in the sermon. It's pride. Pride is the chief of all sins. Yeah. And it's the idea of there's something in me that merits that God should save me. I don't care if it's a gr- like a tiny if it's one cell, like it's something tiny. We all think that that's part of the fallen human nature, and we go, God should save every single person that's ever lived because we're really not that bad. So unlimited in his, because he is God in the flesh. Of course, the the potential of it is unlimited. It's limited in its application. Because God chose to only glorify himself in rescuing people with grace. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if, if that—hopefully I didn't get us too far off 
no no that's good that's that's good those are good those are good helpful reminders i just had one more consideration for this as people are looking at this passage and trying to figure out all right how do i how do i understand this how do i uh, respond to to critics um the final consideration is that first john 2 2 is is not just by itself mm-hmm. right you've got verse one mm-hmm. you have to deal with verse one it's even cl- more clear in the greek uh for some reason the esv does not translate the and mm-hmm. so verses one and two are actually connected by an and um, conjunction. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the final consideration is that word advocate. Mm-hmm. Who does Jesus advocate for? Well, he, it, he you can see that from his high priestly prayer. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't. He does not advocate for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you cannot read John seventeen, um, and uh, get that right. He advocates for particular people because he explicitly says, "I'm not praying for everyone. I'm not praying mm-hmm. for the whole world." Right. Um, and this becomes clear in in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, who who is Jesus advocating for? Who is he a high priest for? Because you cannot separate the cross work from his intercession work. Mm-hmm. It's 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 both the work of him and his role as high priest. Mm-hmm. Who 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 does he advocate for? I've never heard anyone say that he advocates for everyone in the world, even unbelievers. Right. There there may be people that say it. I've never heard anyone argue well, that. Yeah. But but if he only advocates for certain people, then he only died for a certain people also. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, yeah. you can't you can't separate and say he died for everyone, but he only advocates for some of them because it's in his advocacy that we actually we actually come <laughs> like the, like the work is applied to us because right. he goes as our high priest right and he intercedes for us yeah yeah the so re- that that those those are uh, just some considerations to help people I I hope with looking at. At that verse. The reason these type of memes are effective is because they appeal to human nature. They mm-hmm. appeal to your human flesh. Right. Um, we have an idea of what we think fairness is and what we deserve uh, as people. Yeah. And we then take that and we slap that on the Bible. We very, we very subtly move ourselves into the center of the story. Mm-hmm. The biblical storyline is not about us, and we're we're integral to it. But Jesus is at the very center. Mm-hmm. It's all about Him. It's not about us. Mm-hmm. And we're very we're very subtle because we're sinners. <laughs> that's I mean that's that's what we do. We want to be the center, so we very subtly move move into the center. And uh, if we don't oust Jesus from the center, we at least want to you know cozy up next to Him and say, well. There's room enough for both of us. Right. Yeah. So, good. I think we've we pretty much have exhausted. I don't know if we've exhausted well, it, yeah. but... we got to cut it maybe off for, sometime. Maybe for this episode, we've exhausted it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So... What you looking up over there, Jay? I was going to go back to John 10. I didn't, oh, okay. you know, I just can't ah, resist. You can't resist it. You can't resist it. <laughs> um... The idea that he knows that he knows his people by name, yeah, does not work in this other in the other. I mean, it, it's it's a system of theology 
that Jesus can't know you by name and die for you. Mm. That doesn't work in the other system. It might if you put in an unbiblical idea of foreknowledge. But well, you'd also have to have you'd also have to have divine foreknowledge, exhaustive foreknowledge being um forefront in Jesus's human nature. Mm-hmm. Like he would know who he's dying for because he looks down the corridor of time and sees and sees them. But called, again, that's a that's a unbiblical definition of, of well, foreknowledge. I just call God it, God doesn't learn things by looking down. That's into just the a rec, that's a retroactive view. It is. That's that's a God loved you because you loved him first. Right. Yeah. It's it it again. It's it's unbiblical. It doesn't work. God chose you chose God. He saw you do it through down through time, uh-huh. and then he said, "Oh well, I'll love I'll love George back right. and elect him and know him by name and die for him." Or I believe that uh, Leighton Flowers calls that choice meets. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> you never heard that? I've heard the word, but okay, I, I all right. I his his illustration of of God choosing because we're choice. <laughs> that's that's odd, buddy. That's very odd. It is. I'm I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying this is good. I'm just saying that that's that's out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. All right. Well, I introed, so you get to outro. Oh, do I get to outro? Is that how this works? Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess I'm up. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully this has been beneficial. We started out talking about politics and about the depravity of, of man and and the futility of our thoughts apart from Christ. And then we ended by talking about the glorious reality that Christ died definitely, um, particularly for a people. And so hopefully this is uh, this has helped you and edified you. Hopefully this has given you a little bit of uh, insight into some uh, passages that are often used to criticize uh, Reformed theology. If, it, uh, if it's been beneficial, be sure to like, subscribe, share, uh, get the word out, and uh, we'll see you next time.